This time on episode 495 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we are talking the Disney Plus show What If, specifically season two, episodes seven through nine. Anthony Sitko from Capes on the Couch, a show that examines the mental health issues of comic book characters, part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other stupendously geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. Raised on X-Men, empowered by the Avengers, strengthened by the Defenders, webbed by Spider-Man, Adopted by the Fantastic Four and forged by S.H.I.E.L.D. Stand by for your Marvel debriefing. And now it's time for your scheduled debriefing. I'm Agent Lauren. I'm Agent Michelle. And I'm producer of the show, Director SP. Welcome to our show, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's recorded on Sunday, January 21st. 2024, live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast multiverse-wide. Come and join our live chat as we record. Today, we're going to be continuing and finalizing our coverage of What If Season 2. Michelle, what did we watch? Hella Found the Ten Rings, premiered December 28, 2023. Hella, stripped of her powers and banished to Earth, comes across a new source of power, the Ten Rings. The Avengers Assembled in 1602, premiered December 29, 2023. Captain Carter tries to undo the anomaly that strands familiar heroes and villains in 1602. Strange Supreme Intervened, premiered December 30, 2023. Strange asks Peggy to help with an adversary, but this demented sorcerer is keeping a secret from his old friend. All right, my overall thoughts for these episodes and for the series in totality, I love the worlds building, especially at worlds that are adjacent to the MCU. That is the one true timeline, supposedly. I guess we'll hear more about that later. Lauren, what are your first thoughts of these three episodes? A lot of fun. Um, I think I talked last time about how it feels like fan fiction in the ways that I love alternate universe fan fiction. And yeah, I left this season pretty satisfied. For me, it's a good way to tie things together from first to second season. All right, we're going to be taking these episodes one at a time. We're going to start with the seventh episode of the second season, Hella Found the Ten Rings. The what if moment is Hella, instead of being banished to hell, is cast out to Talo, and it's kind of a combination of Ragnarok and Ten Rings. And to be honest with you, I had to go back and rewatch both Ragnarok and in the Legend of the Ten Rings just to get a good enough foundation to really understand this episode. But Michelle, there is a similarity between the first Thor movie and this What If episode. Yeah, she's given the Thor treatment. Thor gets cast out and Odin whispers to Mjolnir, you know, whoever has blah, 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 can wield Monir and everything. And that's what he does with Hela's helmet and cast her down to Earth and the helmet as well. I thought that was interesting. We need to talk about Meow Meow for a second, because in every iteration of that thing getting destroyed, it's the same 
no matter whether it's animated or if it's live action, it's the same actual picture of the hammer on the ground with the same pieces and parts. So I guess the hammer only breaks one way. Consistency. Lauren, what did you think of the voiceover talent? Oh, okay. I was pretty happy. First of all, we had Kate Blanchett returning as Hella. Kate Blanchett has previous experience doing voice work, so she did a really good job. And then we had two voice actors that I really like. First off, as Wenwu, we have Feodor Chin, who I mostly know as Zenyatta from Overwatch. Really nice guy. I met him at a con once, gave me a hug. Super nice guy. And Lauren Tom as the voice of Jai. If you like Futurama, the character of Amy Wong and her mother are both voiced by Lauren Tom. She's in like everything go to imdb and educate yourself so that was really cool to have them as part of the cast one of chris's notes who unfortunately couldn't be here for technical issues on this episode was the horribleness of getting mad at people for doing what you taught them to do which gets to odin's parenting so speaking of fan fiction there's been a recurring tag on this website archive of our own since the first Thor movie came out, that's Odin's A-plus parenting, and it's usually meant sarcastically. And this is very much continuing the Odin's A-plus parenting sarcastic. Absolutely. I, you know, I was taking a look at this, and because of, of Hella being scarred by Odin, I was, I was feeling our sister show on the Goody Geek Network over there, uh, Capes on the Couch, I think Hella would have benefited from a session or two with Doc Issues with her freedom from control. I think that if they haven't done that yet, and I don't think they have, but if they haven't done that yet, they need to do the what if Hela. That would be fun. Well, Hela actually escapes her captivity with Wenwu. And what does she do? Well, she escapes and she trains, actually trains for some time, which is what you're supposed to do. It's not like, Hey, I come in and 24 hours later, I'm fighting this thing. She actually gets to train. She wants control of her life. Were you a little scarred by a previous episode? <laughs> and what if on that level? You know, all that was missing was a hand slapping in water. <laughs> For those that don't know, that is a deep cut all the way back the first few episodes first few seasons of arrow actually throughout the entire series which michelle and i covered on the starling tribune <laughs> all right so through her training she is able to basically do what she is going to do right yeah she like self-actualizes herself she's able to confront odin she becomes basically like a goddess of life instead of the goddess of death. And she makes friends with a Hundun, a.k.a. Morris from Shang-Chi. So good on her for that. Right. I actually dubbed her from this episode, probably incorrectly, but it's the, my headcanon I'm going through with it is Hela the White instead of Hela the goddess of life. I think she's still the goddess of death, but Hela the White will go with that. and. Looking at this, she's actually one of the universe's most powerful beings. What are they called? Cosmic beings in the Marvel Universe? I think coming out of it, she then is on the level with Captain Marvel, 
and Scarlet Witch and at that level of cosmic being. She also hooks up with Wenwu. It's pretty heavily implied. So we're not getting Shang-Chi in this universe, I guess. I was thinking about that, you know, in the in the post story that goes on, there's a lot of liaisons that happen between the two of them. That was cute. It was I thought it was cute. We did learn one thing. I picked up one thing that I might have not have picked up from the movie, and I did rewatch it, but I didn't see in there. In the what if, it is implied that the ten rings can be god killers. It's actually stated in the episode. So that's something that we didn't learn about them might come up in the future in the regular Marvel universe. So just a side note about that. Michelle, anything left on the episode here? Again, Odin being a villain. I'm still sticking with Odin being a villain. And I was just impressed that Hela was able to overcome basically the brainwashing of her youth. Seems to be a standard storyline after Endgame. A lot of overcoming youth brainwashing. Yeah, between watching this and watching Percy Jackson, it feels like if anybody could benefit from some nice family therapy, it's definitely groups of pantheons of gods. Chris has a, a, a side note here, and I'm just going to throw it out there for our audience. And if you have an opinion on this, I want to hear back from you. Get to, back to us on our voicemail line or email me, stargatepioneer at gunnageek.com. The question is, would Hella be friends with John Wick? Of course. Well, we'll see what our audience has to say. In the meantime, the second episode is The Avengers in 1602. I'm coming at it just... For everybody's edification is I know nothing about the 1602 universe. Apparently it's a universe in the, in the comic books that I don't know what's going on. There are a myriad of what if moments that led to this all the way back to season one, episode one of what if, which was Margaret Peggy Carter refused to leave the room. And that is where Steve Rogers was to be injected. And she was injected instead at the end of season one, when the watcher chooses Captain Carter to help save the multiverse and the guardians of the multiverse. And that's where she becomes friends with a lot of people that are in this particular universe here, 1602. And it is also a season two, episode five, which is a continuation of the previous two that I just talked about as well. So the what if moments here is a combination of Scarlet, Witch is grabbing captain Carter to help save their universe and in the Thanos infinity battle spoiler here for the end of the episode, Steve Rogers actually hit the mind stone out of the infinity gauntlet. And that's what transported him to 1602. So a lot of crumbs along the way led to this one. What if universe and uh, Michelle, your favorite, we get a good Shakespearean portrayal. Only a good Shakespearean actor can do bad Shakespeare. And I can tell Tom Hiddleston had a blast this entire episode. I love that we just continue to confirm that Loki is a theater nerd. As if the penchant for drama wasn't confirmation enough. No, he just, he wants to be an actor. He wants to be admired. I love it. Michelle, did you like the team-ups in this one? I did. I love our very merry band of men with 
you know, Rogers Hood and Bucky and Scott Lang, who likes snacks. And then on the other side, you know, we have King Thor, Loki, Happy Hulk, Scarlet Witch, who is playing both sides along with Fury. And then we just had Stark out there all alone, being drunk and loving Captain Carter's weird future language like Flux Capacitor. <laughs> Tell me more. Tell me more. <laughs> that was adorable. And, you know, from Captain Carter's standpoint, if the voices in your head aren't going to help you, tell them to get out of your way. <laughs> I, I like that in this episode. But Carter is pretty stubborn. She wants to save both ones, you know, both timelines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was a really good episode for Peggy, I think. This season in general has been really good for the Captain Carter incarnation of Peggy, which makes me very happy. I saw a couple of posts online of the question, are we getting too much Captain Carter in what if? And, you know, for the swath of characters in the Marvel universe, stay with me for a second. I get that sentiment. We are focusing in on Captain Carter when there's so many other characters to explore, but this is the only place that we can explore Captain Carter and I've been enjoying it personally. So from my perspective, I don't think there is too much, but I understand why the sediment is out there in the fandom. Also, have you considered, I love her. (laughs) No, I had not considered that yet, but thanks for setting us straight. Well, we also got Banner, and uh, he had a very interesting origin in this particular episode. I saw him and I was like, oh, it's the Hulk in the Iron Mask, which granted predates the actual historical man in the Iron Mask, which was first written about in like 1669. But this was fun. It was fun, although it's heartbreaking also at the end. It's another Steve and Peggy can't be together story. I do like them being like, hey, maybe there's a universe where we get together and we know that that's the movie universe. Might be the one universe that they all get together. You know, Doctor Strange going in the Infinity War and Endgame going through all the millions of iterations and there's only one that we win. It also is probably the one that Carter and Rogers can be together. Well, I have a thought, you know, throughout the episode, they're looking for a forerunner. And I kept thinking, why don't you try a Toyota dealership? Thank you. And not a Hyundai dealership, which is an homage to Chris Evans doing Hyundai commercials two years ago. Anyway, anything else about 1602? This actually has not that much in common with the actual comic 1602. Which is interesting. I really like the art style and it's written by Neil Gaiman. Has some problems, but whatever. But this managed to capture a lot of the feel of, hey, we're just going to do, we're doing an Avengers costume drama. Which, again, I enjoyed. Also, we get Kahori back. We do. The costume drama, that is interesting. It reminds me of the Strange New World Season 2 episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. 
Then we're going to move on to the final episode, which is strange intervening. And for those history buffs of what if you have to go back to season one, episode one and season one, episode four, which is Carter and Strange's origin episodes within the what if. And he loses his heart in season one, episode two, instead of his hands. That was the title of the episode. And it really culminated in this episode. So we've basically taken the entirety of the series from the pilot episode all the way to the final episode to get the story that we saw here. So Michelle at the crux of it is strange. Once again, it's about how people handle loss. Do you let it consume you or can you take that energy and heal the best that you can? I kind of feel like Strange's grief is always going to win out for him in the end. Cause we, in the what if episodes, we never get to see Strange not end with not a happily ever after, but at least content with his loss. Bouncing off of what Michelle pointed out, it's interesting because we just had the whole, okay, Steve and Peggy just never destined to be together except for like one time. And then, you know, we have her accepting that, accepting, hey, Steve has to go back so that we could save both of these timelines. And then on the other hand, we have Strange, who is so refusing to accept his loss that he's going to destroy like every multiverse to try and get her back. It's constructive versus destructive grief, I guess. We also get something that's universal in the multiverse. Zombies. Zombies are defined to be universal. So, yep. And then Scarlet Wish Zombie, she comes out, I think, you know, she's one of the, you're talking about the most powerful beings in the Marvel Universe. She's up there, too. Zombie Witch. What would we call her? Zombie Scarlet Witch? Yeah. Okay. She's up there just as much as Supreme Strange and infinity carter which we get in here that was so cool that was fun so this episode left me thinking first of all again good showing for captain carter loved seeing kahori but also i want a captain carter kahori hella heist movie basically with the dynamics that were going on here like Ocean's Eleven, but for, I don't know, some Marvel thing. Would you want it set in the Marvel Universe, or you just want those actors out in a movie? You know, I'm good either way at this point. I love the actors, I love the characters. Would you add anybody from the Guardians in there? Oh, definitely Nebula and Mantis. I thought so. That's why I wanted to mention it. Thank you. Michelle, talking about like team ups and stuff like that, going back to the previous episode, there's a possibility, especially at the end of this episode, of an interesting duo as well. Well, we get Kahori, Kahori and Carter. I love that when everybody gives them the weapons. And I loved how things came together. We got the 10 rings, we had the infinity outfit from previous season. We had. Meow, meow, come back. 
scepters, swords, just everything. And it's just those two not only got to team up, they got to team up heavily armored. You could see all the things, all of them. And it was great seeing it. Matter of fact, at the end, I think it was Kahori that was using all of them because Carter only got a few of the name brand ones that we see all the time. But Kahori was suspending all of them behind them and they all shot out at the same time. That was uh, from from a, like a sci-fi geek sort of comic book nerd. I was like, oh, that is so cool. They all get used at the same time. Unfortunately, they don't work. But So bouncing off what you said earlier about Hell of the White. First off, we had that was whole a very much you have my bow, you have my axe, but more literally in this case. And also, we basically get Balrog Doctor Strange. Like that whole them going down into the Yeah, we do. Yeah. Cuz he's he's absorbed most of these characters along the way too, these mystical characters. That was part of of his origin into Supreme Strange. And uh yeah. Balrog Strange. Yeah, sure. And he just can't separate himself out from that. Because at the end of his origin episode, he merged together the like the good strange. He was split into two timelines in the same universe. And then he merged together through a big fight. And he just could not the good strange could not extract himself out at the end. I tend to think that this is the end of Supreme Strange, but, you know, this is the what if, so anything could happen, I guess. I thought it was a nice tie at the end of Loki's God of Stories because we see the tree of stories at the end, and it was green, so you got to see that from the Loki perspective. I enjoyed that quite a bit. And the Watcher, Michelle, he says something, but I have a different take. He says his job is to narrate. But by using Captain Carter to interfere, the Watcher is by definition now interfering. It's called a fourth wall break. It's a time-honored narrative tradition. He offers to take her home. And he actually says in the previous episode, what if this, what if this? And I'm sitting there going, he said the thing, roll credits. You know, he says the title and he says he's there to narrate. I do like at the end, though, that those two, that could be season three. I'm sorry. We could have season three of The Watcher and Captain Carter going along correcting things that needs to be corrected because something is wrong in a multiverse that he didn't see and he's got captain carter who wants to see nick way home there we go that's my hope for season three to all you captain carter people out there that's what i want i think that what they could do is do a mandalorian where you have like three seasons of mandalorian or two or whatever it was and then you go into a boba fett season and the boba fett season in this case would be watu and captain carter and then go back to a normal what if series. I think you could do that. I like the idea of Utel the Watcher and Captain Carter buddy time cop comedy. Sure. I like it. They just they were playing off of each other really well, I thought, at the end of this. 
They were, and, and they were understanding where each was coming from. And Captain Carter's like, if somebody's hurt, you help them. And Watu's like, well, I see so much. I see all these universes fizzling out. But she has already saved two universes and the multiverse with the Guardians of the Multiverse. So she's already done the thing several times already. Probably going to get old after a while, but I like seeing more of it. All right. Anything else from this episode? Again, it was nice seeing this team up. I really like Captain Carter and Kahori and Hela, I think, have been the standouts this season for me. And if we get a season three, which I think it looks so far like we will. Yep. I kind of hope it continues in this line again, continue to be fan fiction in the best way. I think this was a surprisingly tight season. This was a great way to bring everything together and not only wrap up this season, but also wrap up season one. I loved the, the the package that we've gotten here. We've gotten the what off episodes and then we've gotten the combination stuff, but I'm fearful that that tight storytelling that you were just referring to is going to suffer with the departure of AC Bradley from Marvel. And she was really the brainchild or let's face it, one of the brainchilds, but the, the public face of being the brainchild for these series and, or these seasons. And I'm fearful that with her loss, season three is going to be radically different. I'm not going to say better or worse, but it's not going to be the same as what we've seen so far. Well, next time we're going to be tackling the new Echo series, which premiered a few weeks ago over on the Disney Plus. We'll be covering them one episode at a time. So next time we'll be covering Echo season one, episode one. If you haven't seen it already, I will tell you it is something that you're going to want to watch, not have on the background. So if you do watch, we are interested in what you think about it. So get your feedback back to us. We do have a voicemail line at 844-THE-BUS-1 or 844-843-2871. Or stop on by our Discord server at goodageek.com slash Discord and let us know what you think. All right, that's it for our What If coverage. Lauren? What if? What if? What if? Bye. Bye Bye-bye. What if? Have you considered what if? What if Chris was actually here today? (laughs) Thank you for listening. The intro music heard on this podcast is Great Marvels of the World by Lynn Publishing, found on Pond5.com. The outro music heard on this podcast is Cinematic Trailer by Ed Records, found on audiojungle.net. Other transitional music on this podcast is found on incompetech.com, audiojungle.net, and pond5.com. For more information about this podcast, please visit legendsofshield.com. Excelsior! Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is copyright 2013 through 2024.